Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Good morning and welcome to our Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope webinar series. This is our third and final of this series, TJ Rowden. We're so excited that he's here today and so grateful for his service to us. I just want to share with you, because we're sharing a message of hope, I want to share with you some of the messages of hope that we have here at Mothers You Know. And I probably should tell you that I'm Karen Broadhead. I'm the director of Mothers You Know, and I'm so grateful that you would take your time to join us this morning. We know there's lots of choices of what moms can do, and so we appreciate you being here this morning. I just wanted to share with you that we have a motto at Mothers Who Know, and it is stay by the tree. And BJ's gonna tell you a little bit more about that here in a minute, but it's a reminder of our power beyond our own when we consider the Savior's help in our lives as mothers and we use His help that He offers us so freely and a lot of what we do at Mothers You Know is helping us to understand the kinds of things that maybe steal our awareness that we have that power to have so much more help than we realize. And then we also have a scripture theme, and it's in 2 Timothy 1.7. It's, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that's one of our messages of hope today too, is that often moms are 
just warrior resource finders. Whenever something at their house is hurting or getting messy, they're looking for something to help because maybe they're finding that the resources that they currently have personally as a mom or in their family aren't quite supporting everything that's going on. And so one of the messages of hope that we have today that we hope that you'll take advantage of is the programs available at Life Changing Services. So we want you to come here to hear this presentation, but we also get it that sometimes we need help beyond our own. And no matter how much we pray about it, no matter how much we are relying and trying to get the Savior to, to just help us, often the answer is to reach beyond that and to look for support outside of just your family resources. So we invite you to join us at, at Life Changing Services. BJ's gonna tell you some more about that. And some of the things it can do for your sons and your daughters, your marriages. And we're just so grateful that you're here. And we also want to invite you to join us in Mothers You Know. Thanks so much for being here, BJ. Okay, thank you, Karen. Yeah, we are excited to get started. We were able to to visit with TJ last week and we just thought, okay, this is gonna be really neat. So we were we were just grateful as we met and we could just feel of his confidence and love in young men and parenting and just some neat skills and tools to be able to help us do that. So looking forward to that today. Like Karen mentioned, this is the Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope. And we, we just want to give you a little bit of information before we get started here today. We're, we are sponsored, and then I'm going to introduce TJ, and we'll let you, we'll, we'll go from there. But just so you know, the format for today will we'll go until about 1030. TJ will share just what he's brought and prepared as far as his message. And then after that, we'll have a little bit of time to share. You can share takeaways or ask questions. We'll have that towards the end. So be thinking as we're going along and be noting down, oh, that really spoke to me. I, I appreciated that, or I have a question on something, and we'll have a little bit of time at the end for that. So we wanted to let you know just a little bit more information, though, before we get going. And one of them is just who we're sponsored by. We're sponsored by Life Changing Services. Karen mentioned them, and they are just a team of Latter-day Saint therapists and other professionals that are providing gospel-centered training and healing, and their goal is just to help individuals and families to be able to find peace and healing through their therapeutic recovery and training programs. So if you have a loved one that's been caught in the trap of pornography or navigating mental health issues or others, you know, some of these common challenges of our times that we are all facing, you can just go to lifechangingservices.org. And then also, we are one of those programs that Life Changing Services offered, and then we're called Mothers Who Know, and we're just an online faith-filled gathering place for all women who are we're trying to joyfully support ourselves and our loved ones, and we are bumping into stretchy situations, and it's just so nice to link arms. It's a powerful place to find connection and support and training, and we just like to have hope over all of that, and that's with with it being such a Christ-centered, beautiful resource. So we have lots of classes and support groups and webinar series like this one and so much more. You can go to Mothers Who Know to find out a little bit more about 
all of those resources. One of the ones we like to for sure highlight is it's a free eight-part self-guided online training, and you can just listen to this mom power training it, when it's convenient for you. And then we also have a live discussion group that meets. And our next session actually begins next Tuesday, the 21st, and it's at this very same time. And so we just wanted to invite you to that. And just to tell you just a tiny bit about like, you're probably thinking, what exactly is that? It's just a beautiful place to link arms with other like-minded women. And you'll be able to learn just some tools and truths to be able to set some powerful habits in motion. And we just like the way that you're able to elevate the way that you think and feel and act. And so we just invite you to join us for that. It is free. It really is free. There aren't any strings attached there. And feel free to invite friends or family that you think might benefit from that. And you can, you can register in 30 seconds, and then they'll send you the training portal and, and all of the resources that go along with it. And you can just test it out, and then we can meet live the next week. You know, as mothers, we understand that the worry and fear that we can feel as we just desperately are hoping to make sure our loved ones find the Savior. And so the name of this webinar series, Stay by the Tree, it comes from the scriptural account in the Book of Mormon of that beloved prophet, Lehi, and it's commonly called the Tree of Life Vision. And in the vision, it beautifully depicts that the best place for us to stand while we're beckoning to our loved ones on their journey is right next to the Savior. We stick with the Savior. We found that's just a beautiful, safe, peaceful place. And so as Lehi, he beckons, he invites, he speaks with all the feelings of a tender parent. And sometimes he even calls out in a loud voice, and sometimes he even ceases speaking. And so we notice that he never leaves the tree, and he never forces others to him. He just invites. So standing safely by the Savior and partaking of the fruits that he generously extends is the best place for us to feel peace and hope and love. And we notice that that's a miracle that that happens right in the middle of hard. And so we're just, we love the name of this series, Stay by the Tree. Today's message of hope is by TJ, and we just really appreciate him coming. And his, the title of his message is Nevertheless Parenting. It's from gap to gain through Christ and atomic daily discipleship. He's going to share a little bit more about that. Really excited to hear about that. Wanted to share just a little bit about TJ before we hand it over to him. TJ, it's TJ Rowden, and he received his graduate training in marriage and family therapy from two universities and has practiced as a licensed therapist and counselor in various intensive residential and private settings for over 20 years. And in these experiences, TJ's focuses on four areas while engaged in helping efforts with the, with the youth, couples, and families that he serves. And <clears throat> these are the four areas. The first one is principle-guided prevention and intervention, and then character strengths and virtues, and then the inevitability, inevitability of relationships and daily living, the what and the how of it. And then the last thing is the reality that clients are the gatekeepers of, their, of change and the true heroes in their own success stories. 
With that emphasis, TJ's come to firmly believe that addressing our problems ultimately involves courageously drawing on our strengths and that the best that lies within us and our relationships. He's found that these strengths often need to be dusted off and reclaimed from the struggle or developed from the weakness from weakness as youth and families engage in their own healing process. So in all such efforts, TJ acknowledges acknowledges that the daily, gritty, quiet, micro-betterments of 1% change over time are where the magic happens. I think that's, we're going to hear a lot more about that today. And so, yeah, such magic requires fierce faith and proactive patience and sustained effort over time. And so because of this process, TJ has come to just love trajectories over finish lines. So, and then this little piece of this quote from Richard G. Scott that says, we become what we want to be by consistently being what we want to become. So here's TJ's family. Here's the Rowden family. And he's a, they're originally, or maybe it's just TJ, originally from a small town in Arizona. TJ's the oldest of four siblings and is married to Becky, who's here with us today. So we just welcome her and grateful she's here too. He's blessed to be the dad to Haley, James, Sterling, and Ellie. So TJ, we're just, we just want to share this, this little bit more about you and, and we're really excited to get going here. His personal interests and hobbies include many things. He's a sort of jack of all trades and the master of enough of those that he wants to be. And so some of his current interests and activities are fly tying and fishing, camping, cycling, reading, and spending quality time with his wife and family and friends. And if you add a dash of deliberate discomfort to any or all of those opportunities, and you'll find him at home. So TJ also serves as his local faith, his local faith community as the bishop of his ward. And he maintains a small and active private practice. It's part of Weak to Strong, and it's currently working closely with Becky and a growing team of professionals to establish SAGO Group Family Counseling and Wellness. It was formerly the Syracuse Center for Couples and Families. So if you'd like to just find out a little bit more about TJ, you can go to tjrowden.com or syracusefamilies.com. And we'll have that information in the follow-up email. And then just so that you know, all of this will be recorded. And as you're registered for this series, we'll send the audio recording to you later on this week. So, all righty, TJ. We're just we're excited to hear a little bit more about you, and we're we want to we want to let you get going because we know you had a lot you wanted to share today. Okay, BJ, thank you for your time. Can you guys all hear me? Okay, just a quick thumbs up from folks as well. Audio's okay. Great. First of all, what a good group. Thanks for being here. So yeah, my wife's on the call, and my mom's also on the call as well. So you guys are going to get like making sure that uh. She's down in Arizona, and if this if this goes off the rails, I've got at least two people who firmly. I'm sure there's a lot more of you who will help to get right back on track if we if we if we squander it too much. But I'm excited to be with you. There's there's a lot you heard about me, and I don't want to share much more. I would like to just say this right off the bat: I come prepared with content, and in the years, and especially in this new calling as a bishop, you realize some things very very quickly that you don't teach content, you don't teach lessons. You, you engage with people. 
And in the spirit of that, I, I do want to bring up the slideshow that I have to share with you, ladies. And I think you'll find that as much as I've been directed to just share the information first, and then we'll engage in a question and answer at the end. I hope right off the bat that you'll take, I think it was Luann that said it, or maybe BJ, please pay attention to your thoughts and promptings. Elder Scott once said that when he went to general conference, he took notes, not just on what was said, but what he heard and what he saw. And oftentimes those things were more important to him than anything that was actually verbally expressed by someone at the pulpit. So I'm glad to be with you. And I just invite you to pay attention to what the spirit touches your heart to, to pay attention to today. That'll be the most meaningful part. So let me see if we can do this screen share and we'll get going. Let's see here. Can you all, is that coming through? Okay. Cause I just lost. A, I can see the heart in the hand, TJ. The heart in the hand. Well, it's just like the tree. Okay. The tree. And then this is, here we go. Because I lost, I lost view of all of you on video, on, on my gallery view, but I'm just trusting that you're still there unless I hear otherwise. Is that okay? We're here and we can see nevertheless parenting now. Okay, great, 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 great. Okay, well, let's get into this then. Yeah, it's a, it's a beefy title, Nevertheless Parenting from Gap to Gain Through Christ and Atomic Daily Discipleship. And we're going to break that down over the course of, of what we've got to, to cover today. BJ did a wonderful job giving you an intro. I just wanted to touch base on the, a, a few things that might help put this in a little more context. I'm an Arizona kid, grew up born and raised. I live in Utah now, but all of my family, minus Becky and our kids, they're all still down there. They live in a little town called Kingman, Arizona. My brothers, Tony and Brad and Meredith, who's the, the little sister of three brothers, we're all, we're all, I think, fairly close. And like all families, we have our stuff, but as I grew up in Arizona, I really spent all my time there until, if you'll see over here to the right, I served a mission in Washington, D.C. North from 93 to 95. And after that, came home back to Arizona and worked for a year and four months on a power line crew doing power line construction. Got hurt when I was training a horse and decided to really revisit the, the reality and the potential for school. And then that never stopped. So I wound up going up to Rick's College when it was Rick's. Met Becky. We married in 90, uh, 97. And then that took us to, from there down to Utah. We went to BYU for my undergrad and gra graduate degrees and then down to Texas for the, the last part of grad school. First in my family to, to go to college and beyond. And since then, there have been others that have followed and just really love my, my, my family and the ways that they're all pioneers as well. It'll be 25 years for us this year. We're excited. Haley, James, Sterling, and Ellie are our four children. And I've been doing this work for a while, you guys. Been involved in, in youth and family intensive treatment for 18 plus years, almost 20 now. And also have been working for Sons of Helaman and facilitating the Sons of Helaman group in Syracuse for about 10 years. Now, as important as all of that is in, in its own way, there's something that's always more important to me in an, in an opportunity like that. And that's to remember as best we can each other and our relationships Sisters, I, I really love the quote of President Ezra Taft Benson, who said this, and it's got relevance for our time together today, that nothing is going to startle us more when we pass through the veil to the other side than to realize how well we all know our father and our mother and those that are on the other side of the veil and how familiar his and I would add their face, faces are to us. I find great comfort whenever I'm having experience with new faces to realize they're only new here on earth, part the veil. Sisters, we would, we would probably find a memory of very sweet relationships. I mean, maybe, 
Maybe you used to prank me or, or, or give me a hard time. Maybe I was a practical joker up there in the pre-existence. I don't know how it went, but I know the relationships were and they continue to be sweet. And so if, if we can, for the next bit of time together today, I would just invite you to re really settle into your time with me and I with you and just to see what we can do to have an experience that pushes on that veil a bit and helps us to remember the sweetness of those relationships especially as we talk about the why for today. And I'll start off with just briefly referencing this scripture in Matthew 14, 24 through 30. This is right after Christ fed the 5,000 with the loaves and fishes. It's been a big day. He sends his apostles on ahead of him on the ship across Galilee, and he actually stays behind to disperse the multitudes that were there and to spend some time, as he often did, alone in prayer. And I think rest and recovery, which we could all take a lesson from, by the way, and it's a challenge to do that. But to really dig into part of this experience and set the stage for today, we want to get to the point where the apostles are on the water and it's not looking good. It's a stormy seas, the wind is big. Here's where we'll pick up. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And that is when Jesus came to them. He came walking on the sea. They were frightened when they first saw him, thinking he was a ghost. But Jesus said to them, hey, be of good cheer. It is I. So if you can, really settle into this. The apostles are on the boat. It's not looking good at all. In this inland sea, the storms were quite fierce. And here comes this person walking across it all out to the boat. Now, with that environment, Christ calls out, be not afraid. Immediately, Peter cuts through all of the din and in, in, in all of the chaos and the turmoil that's going on. And he zeroes in on, Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto thee on the water. And I get a little choked up right off the bat because, sisters, I don't know about you, but I don't know that that would have been my first move. If I'm looking around and seeing everything that's going on, I, I think I might have kind of really latched on to the mast and said, hey, come, come on over. Can you come help us out like you did before when you calm the sea? But not this time. In a situation, in a, in a circumstance that was challenging and scary as can be, Peter locks onto Christ. He says, please call me. Bid me come unto thee. And what does Christ do? Through the impossibility of it all, he just says, come. He invited Peter to him, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. This is just remarkable to me that when you think about how often we are faced with challenges and things that are going on that seem so difficult, and, and, and the stresses mount, and the, and the challenges and the adversities are there, when we're coming off of two and a half, almost three years of pandemic culture, and there are families that have experienced financial stress and ruin, loss of life and loved ones, and so many things that are going on. I think the story hits a chord for me because of how much Peter just threw it all. He goes to the edge of the boat, he steps off, and he steps onto the water, and he walks. How many times, sisters, have we found ourselves maybe clinging onto the boat a little too tightly? Or how many times have we taken that first faithful step into something that feels absolutely impossible because we're focused on our Savior? I've had experiences that, that approximate that, but not to the degree. And, and, and I can't imagine what the other apostles were thinking, what Christ himself saw when, when, when Peter, just without doubt, starts to walk towards him. But as it happened... It's, it starts to change. When Peter loses focus on Christ, perhaps he starts to take a look around and see what he's doing. And, and as it says here, when he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink, 
he cried as he began to say, sink, saying, Lord, save me. I think I anticipate coming onto this call in ways big or small that each of you sisters can relate with times or experiences where you've had just that moment where things, the waves got too big, the winds was too strong. Perhaps we were faithful at first and we were, we were striving and maybe it got a little overwhelming. Maybe you're right in the midst of a time where you're still walking out water, whatever it might be. I think all of us can relate with this moment when we begin to sink and we're seeking the help of the Lord. And it's with that in mind that, that I wanted to just kind of lay the groundwork for today and our time together. Because when it comes to the idea of nevertheless parenting, there's some beautiful doctrine there that we'll dig into in the principle and application of it through the other two ideas. But wanted to start with all of us kind of just joining up on, on this experience of seeking the Lord's help in whatever challenges or difficulties we're facing. Why? Because sometimes the dragon wins, sisters. Sometimes, despite knowing better, we don't always do better. We're short with our spouses or kids or we're hard on ourselves. That's language that we challenge pretty significantly in the work with, you know, the, the various groups through life-changing services. Anytime you hear a phrase that, that sounds something like self-hate or our inner critic or negative inner dialogue, negative self-talk, I would propose to you that that is the world's best shot of being able to describe what may well be natural man or woman, but fails to recognize how much there is an enemy with, you know, a third of the host of heaven who followed him, who are hell bent on getting into our heads and our hearts to counterfeit the way that we think so that we pass the bond to ourselves versus them. Just as a quick side note, feel really passionately about that. Sometimes we find that our emotions outrun reason, patience, and skills in our parenting efforts or our experiences with spouses or partners, siblings. Sometimes we get caught up in satanic enticements, like I mentioned, and we get lost in the mists of darkness. It's been my experience in the last few years that I think there are about seven or eight of those things, starting with disruption and distraction. And they build from there. And Lucifer's gotten really good at how he leverages those mists against us. Because sisters, sometimes not only is the wind boisterous and the waves are big, but the furnace is intense to shift to another story. When it gets tough, it's not just on the water, but in the furnace that the Lord chooses to come to us. If you reflect on the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it wasn't until they got into the furnace of affliction with faith beforehand that the Savior came. And I wonder how many of you and how many of us can relate with either water or furnace because they're both common. Now, all of that to say, here's my deeper why for today. <clears throat> and there are three parts to it. I want to invite you as we think about the challenges or the difficulties that you might face, specifically with respect to any parenting experiences that you're having, whether you're parenting young children, old, older, youth, teens, or adult children, or you are a child yourself, I want to remind you that during our own stormy season furnaces, we need to keep our eyes on the long arc of this experience, that seldom is any one experience going to be what defines the relationship, but it's really the collection of experiences over time. We need to keep our eyes on that, that there is always more to us than what we do or our skills and our parenting. There is how we are seeing and being while we do it. And to do B and C more as our savior and our parenting efforts, we want to focus on a few things today. 
So to be a little bit more like him. So our focus for today are three things. The nevertheless part, agency, empowerment, and joy of daily repentance. This idea of gap to gain, really what that looks like, we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit, learning to see things as they really are and will be with that, with that idea in mind, and then atomic daily discipleship. This is going to remind you of a talk that was given in October by an elder Dunn, where we'll talk about that today, where he talks about the power of 1% improvement. And there's a phrase I hope you latch on to, sisters. It's the micro betterments of daily living over time. And you heard some of that in the introduction. So let's talk about nevertheless. Let's think about it for a minute. Someday, my wife will kind of smile at this, but someday, hopefully sooner than later, I still want to follow through with a book called Nevertheless Living. It's been a desire and an interest of mine. I've started it. But it's about this idea of how do we kind of do this, this thing we read about in the scriptures. The word nevertheless, interestingly enough, is cited in the following ways. It's in, in the Old Testament, New Testament, and on, you can see the various uses of that. I think one of the reasons why I love the Book of Mormon, in my own failings and shortcomings, I, I can relate with being a beggar, like King Benjamin taught us that we are. And yet the Book of Mormon has 105 references and uses of this word, and that ought to tell us something about what the Lord wants us to know through translated and modern day scripture about his atonement and how he can help us with this. Oftentimes it's used in indirect or similar references, such as notwithstanding. When you think about Alma the Younger and the Sons of Mosiah, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, but this is in the handouts that you received. So you can kind of do some study on your own about the use of this word in different forms. Even so, I'm a massive fan of Shiblon. He gets less than a page worth of counsel from his father, Alma, as a, as a son who was serving in between a prophet's son and a son who was chasing a harlot on his mission. Shiblon was just a quiet trail horse, stayed on the trail, steadily went about the work, got beat up and persecuted for it. But even so is a phrase that his father used with him often. But if not, going back to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, regarding whether they were to be saved or not. But if not, Nebuchadnezzar, we will not worship your gods. And then Ruth, beautiful story of Ruth and how she cleaves unto Naomi steadfastly. She never leaves her side despite the challenges and, and the uncertainty of a life that she was living at the time. And absolutely love Esther. And if I perish, I perish. Those are some other references that, of, of different language. When we really zero in on this phrase of nevertheless, though, I want to focus on two today. Second Nephi chapter four, verse 16 through 30. I'm not going to read it with you. I've referred to this as Nephi's lament and his remembering. These are the verses when a boy prophet, a strapping young man who's trying to find his way in the wilderness with his family, he, he, he starts off talking about, oh, that he could speak with the voice of an angel and, and call people to repentance. And, and when he desires to rejoice, he says his first nevertheless in that set of verses is, nevertheless, my heart exclaimeth, oh, wretched man that I am. And a few verses later, nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted. So there's some beautiful use and in, in, in teaching around what this really looks like for us to hit hard moments in despair. And then to remember what it's like for us to turn to our Savior and, and his, his salvation and our heavenly parents and our families and other sources of strength and spiritual nurturing to, to remember who we are and whose we are. And then, of course, we have the ultimate example in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where they all captured this moment of Father of our Savior saying, 
in the garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it be thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Lots of scriptural basis for what this word means. Now, what does it mean with respect to parenting from seeing to doing it? Let's go back to a couple of verses in First Nephi. And this is where I would hope that, again, you don't worry about taking too many notes, but just have thoughts around this. That maybe we can discuss as we get to the Q&A part of this. In a couple of very simple verses, there's a way that you can actually tease this out from just a word into a principle of action with a bit of a step-by-step -step way to do it. And I'll, I'll give you these two verses, and the color coding will help highlight what this looks like in action. First verse of the Book of Mormon. There's three parts to it. Look at this, sisters. I, Nephi, number one. Having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, he starts off by talking about being born of goodly parents and so forth as well. So he hits on both sides of, hey, I've been blessed and I've also had struggles. But part one, having seen many afflictions, here's part two. Nevertheless, having been highly favored of the Lord in all of my days and having a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God, therefore I make a record of my proceedings. So I want to, here, here's, the, here's the teaser, having seen dot, 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 nevertheless, dot, 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 therefore, this next verse, there's a bit of a pattern that emerges in, sec emerges in second, the second chapter, verse 16, a slightly different language, but similar look, and it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, here's the nevertheless again, being large in stature and also having great desires to know of the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord, and he, behold, he did visit me, soften my heart, and so forth. So what you see in these verses, sisters, is that if you break it down into simple, not always easy steps, there is an opportunity for us in our parenting with our kids. When we're faced with challenges or difficulties, questions or uncertainty, it's helpful for us just to pause and recognize, first of all, and, and try to clarify, and it came to pass or behold. That's an invitation for us to identify what's going on. In the situation around us and, and to do a little bit of a self-assessment. What's going on out there and inside of me? Can I actually pause long enough to truly see it, name it, acknowledge it, acknowledge it, and where needed to really own it? That's our first step, and it came to pass or behold. Second step is nevertheless. If we find ourselves in that first step getting perhaps a little overwhelmed or discouraged or down or uncertain, this second step, the nevertheless itself, invites us to seek, plead, and pray mightily for God's perspective, view, and the truth regarding the above. And then with that anchor, we press forward. Wherefore, therefore, we pay attention to the promptings and impressions that we have, however small, for divinely refined action and being acted upon. Let me pause in the content. Back in, it was, it was 2020. Two weeks before COVID hit, I was, I was, I received a phone call from a group of what turned out to be identity thieves who were targeting mental health professionals at that time. And they were really good sisters. I kind of prided myself up until that point of being able to sniff out anybody who was out to try to do us wrong. And I thought I had that, but these were people who came in and you can tell they have law enforcement background. They had cloned local law enforcement numbers. They were calling local mental health professionals with subpoenas for failing to appear in court hearings. And there's a whole nother thing. I just, I won't go into a lot of the details, but what happened is I fell prey to it. And it really rocked my world as a father and as a husband 
as a provider, you know, it was interesting as we came through that, it, here's, I guess here's how it looked for me. And it came to pass at that time that I was completely snockered by these guys and we were taken advantage of, and it was a significant hit for our family in terms of just our resources and our, and, and planning that we had and finances. It was a really discouraging time for me for a time blessed with a wonderful woman. And my mom on the call was aware of this. They were both really concerned as it was happening because of how it was happening. And I wasn't able to talk with them for a time, but this is just an example of how there came, it came to pass, or there, there was a situation that was bigger than me by far. And it took a number of weeks, if not months, for me to really finally plead and pray and to receive perspective from my father in heaven about the truth, that my family would be okay. That in the end, all of the things that I was stressing about or the things that I was concerned about, how it was going to affect our family and children, that there was something called the other side of awful and the way to it was through it with my savior. So nevertheless, I wasn't forgotten. Nevertheless, I was still every bit the man that my wife loved, a son of God, a son of my parents who, who still loved me. There was no judgment, if anything. That experience proved to be a refiner's fire that helped to humble me further. And through the process of, of gaining a little bit more perspective through that experience, that nevertheless experience was what became an anchor for me. And what it led to for me was to be a little bit more wise regarding how we proceeded from there. It led to an increase of unity and function as a, as a couple that I will always be grateful for. So just a brief example of what this looks like in action. In, in a parenting effort, sisters, you might think about moments where you're facing challenges or difficulties with your child, whether it's due to their behavior or maybe you're second guessing your own behavior with uh, the, the not so helpful efforts of the adversary. What would it be like to really get anchored and trying to get clear on what's going on and to find your nevertheless through your heavenly father and the help of the spirit and, and, and the savior? and then feel the strength of what it looks like to proceed from there. Again, perhaps we'll talk about this further during Q&A. So in a nutshell, if that's too much text, I just want you to remember this regarding nevertheless parenting. It really comes down to grit, the exercise of your agency in the face of opposition and adversity over time. So grit plus God, the strengthening and sustaining power of Christ's atonement and love unfeigned from our heavenly parents and those on the other side of the veil. Grit plus God is your anchor for nevertheless living and parenting. That's where we're going to start. Now let's see what we can do to move to this next part. Sometimes we have this desire to say, okay, cool. I get it doctrinally and, and with a little bit of a spiritual pep talk. It, 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 we want to, to latch on to just such perspective, but sometimes going back to the dragon winning, sometimes he just wins. Let's see what that might look like a little bit in action. So I'm going to shift over to a different resource here. And I invite you to think if in your efforts to do and be and to see like our Savior, if it's tough, see if you can relate with any part of this that may highlight for you sometimes how and why it's tough. I'm trusting you have sound unless I hear otherwise from you, sisters. Excuse me. I know you didn't think anyone would catch you, but you just slammed your door into my car. The least you can do is say you're sorry, lady. I don't have to take that tone. It's not like I'm hurting your resale value. I'm sorry. See, like that. I don't know. All right. So let me pause there for a minute. 
So I hope you had enough of a warm fuzzy at the beginning of all this to anchor us in good doctrine and then the reality of life as we live it a little bit, right, sisters? Um, in some way, I mean, I can relate with that. Maybe you find yourself relating with one or the other of the women or both. Circumstances come up at times that really challenge us in everything that we've talked about so far. And, and whether the past or present, that's what's going on for us. And so if I can take us back to the slides, here for a moment, just a little bit more information, then I look forward to really discussing this all with you today about what this stuff actually looks like. We want to do nevertheless parenting better. We want to do nevertheless living better. And yet stuff happens and it makes it really hard. Now, BJ, I hope you're okay with this, but when I share, when I reviewed this presentation with them last week, BJ at one point kind of sheepishly raises her hand. She's like, you know, I just had just such a situation. And BJ said that she cussed this woman out for 30 minutes. No, she didn't say that. Right? She, didn't, she, she, she didn't swear anybody up and down. But, you know, the frustration and the upset was there. And it was really challenging for her. And, and, I, and, and I hope we can all kind of see moments when it does look pretty gnarly for us. So back to slideshow. When we want to try to do and see a little bit better, it's not always easy. And we just watch that. I'm going to move us past it. One of the ways to understand why is to understand a statement made by a lady named Tina Peterson. And this was given in Arizona. It was a women's conference in Arizona back in 2012. She said, sisters, and I really want you to understand that the battle today between Babylon and Zion is being waged between the synapses of our brains. As we have gotten better in trying to understand eternal law and creation through just our, our secular studies and learning, it doesn't bridge the gap completely, but we do understand a few more things. And the way our brains function, it, it helps us to be, be more clear and also compassionate and courageous and just continuing to try in the daily decision-making that we do. Because this stuff that happens in there, whether we're talking at the level of severity of like clinical depression or anxiety, or there may be various forms of OCD. There's a form of OCD out there that's been actually around for some time now. It's called scrupulosity, which has to do with a way of living the gospel with such a stringent, stringent high level of, of scrutiny that we constantly feel like we're falling short. And there's a brain-based and kind of brain science to all of this, which helps us understand how challenging it can be. Now, with that backdrop, we want to try to get into uh, something that I found one author helped break this down beautifully. And this moves us from kind of the, our commitment to nevertheless parenting to how we can actually do it. And we got to see better. Now, let me tell you who this guy is, Roger Federer. I'm not a huge tennis guy, but if we're going to have more success in doing what we want to do better, we've got to learn a few things to see more clearly. And I'll, I'll give you the two scriptural backgrounds for this and then tell you a little bit about why that picture is there. For the spirit speaketh the truth and lieth not, it speaketh of things as they really are and things as they really will be. And then also in 93, section 93 of the Doctrine and Covenants, the truth is knowledge of things as they really are. Here's the reason for the picture. Sisters, I found out not long ago that a professional tennis player, when they're, when they're playing the game, the men in the league can actually serve that ball upwards of about 155 miles an hour. I think Roger's fastest serve is a little shy of that. But what that means on a tennis court is that when the ball leaves the racket of the person serving the ball, it crosses the baseline of the opponent about one second later. Okay. And so 
they've got this entire baseline to cover and these professional players will routinely return those serves. If it, you or I are standing on that same baseline, it, it would be almost impossible for us to do it. So the question comes up is how, how do they may move so quick? Well, maybe they train on reaction time. Maybe they learn and develop skills to be able to move really quickly once the ball served. That's only part of it. And that still would not allow them to have the success that they do. And what you find with these players is that they actually learn to see and pay attention to things in the body position, the shoulder position, the way the hips are rotated and things like that, all being kind of observed before that ball ever leaves the racket so that they are already moving on where the serve is going to be before the serve ever happens. That's how they do it. So what's the principle for us in our parenting efforts and our efforts as spouses? What if we actually were able to, in these efforts to do nevertheless living better, what if we were able to see things more clearly and sooner so that some of the challenges and the difficulties that we face, we could be moving on quicker and intervening with sooner? So one example of this is from an author named Dan Solomon, who wrote a book called The Gap in the Gain. And in our efforts to try to stay involved and enduring to the end in a way that still allows us to have joy, he described it this way. In our brains, we can go one of two ways when it comes to personal growth and improvement in our efforts to improve our parenting or our, or our communication skills, our listening skills, whatever it might be. We can either go towards focusing on the gap or focusing on the gain. Now, for practical purposes, these look really similar all the way up until a certain point, and I'm convinced that Lucifer loves to take advantage of this. <clears throat> we focus on where we're starting, okay? For both of these, we, we have a starting point, a starting goal, a starting desire, something that, that we're, it represents a beginning for us. And we have a visualized ideal. This is where we want to be. This is what we want to obtain in terms of an effective and a and a, a happy and, and healthy mother or, or father, or maybe it's a goal for us in terms of some other aspect of parenting or marriage or family life. But again, very similar for both. Then there's the process of kind of beginning to do the work, taking us to where we are now. Again, do you see it? Up until now, it's very similar for both. But then this is where Lucifer likes to get his hands on it. If we wind up favoring gap-based thinking and mentality and mindset, when we attempt to track how we're doing and the progress that we're making, we're constantly paying attention to this measurement right here. We're always looking at where we are compared to the ideal of who we want to be or where we want to be. And the problem with that is, is that as we focus on that quite often, it leads to discouragement, frustration. And you can see the others here, disappointment, low self-esteem, because we constantly feel and live with that gap. We're just not measuring up. We're just not there yet. Sometimes with if you have women on here who have uh, either personal involvement or the involvement of a spouse or son or daughter in the groups that Life Changing Services runs, I see this with the young men that I work with constantly. They are constantly, once they start having some success and they're keeping track of the the winning, that means not relapsing, you know, and having more days where they're, they're, they're having success with their goals and overcoming or working through self-mastery versus times when they struggle and fall short. If you're over here, that measurement leads to heartache and discouragement. And it's just a matter of time before that builds for you and you wind up quitting and you wind up getting buried 
and you wind up feeling that you'll never measure up to the way mom did it or the way your friends seem to do it or or sister so-and-so who seems to have it all together or so forth. That's not the way that the, the Lord wants us to do it. The option, the alternative is to measure differently, to pay attention to where we are now compared to where we started, what progress we have made. It's not a bad thing to have the ideal or the goal of who we want to be and how we want to be. But if you look at these two things together, this actually favors a feeling of success and fulfillment. We build momentum, gain confidence in the progress that we were making. We, we continue to close the gap by not focusing on the gap. When you look at these two things side by side, there's a few things to remember here in our efforts to parent better. You measure backwards to move forward and to cultivate hope and resilience in the effort. You have to, we have to focus on what Elder Dunn talked about not long ago in conference, the power of 1% improvement. It's the small gains that we, that we really need to focus on. If we overshoot the mark and bite off more than we can shoot, it's a recipe for satanic enticed disaster. And the last thing that I'd, I'd maybe put out here for you is that we, in the spirit of those 1% improvements, we look for the micro betterments, not as an excuse. Excuse is to drag our feet or to, to underwhelm ourselves but as evidence of progress, however small. Makes sense, sisters? Again, I hope so. With my screen, I can't see you, but I'm hoping we'll, we'll be able to unpack this in just a few minutes. So nevertheless, parenting, gave you some ideas and in, 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 in some small steps on what that might look like based on what the scriptures teach us. We talked about the gap and the gain. I do want to spend just a little time on this. This is this slide's going to be accompanied by a handout that was emailed to the, the women who, who will send it out to you from mothers who know. Why is it so hard to see that 1% at times? You need to understand the difference between these three categories. This is a handout that actually it's, it's titled guilt versus shame, but there are two types of guilt. Here, sisters, is health, helpful guilt. The middle and the, and the right columns are, are the painful and difficult things. You can think of the left-hand column as godly sorrow that the New Testament talks about. The middle two columns, not so much. If we want 1% to be possible, we have to understand that we have someone who is absolutely invested in us not seeing anything of improvement, however small, even the 1%. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Think about this for a minute. Adam and Eve partake of the fruit Father is coming to teach, to correct, and to help them further. And what does Lucifer say? Hey, you're naked. Father's going to see your nakedness. Quick, hide. And sisters, we've been hiding ever since. We hide in our mistakes. We hide in our self-judgment. We hide in, in, in all of the satanically enticed garbage thinking. Because the fear is that if we are known, if it's put out there, if our failings and our shortcomings are known, that that will be painful and unendurable. And it's been happening for a long time. So to understand this better, that resource will be provided to you to really unpack it further. I, and we can during question and answer more if you'd like, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait till then if you guys want to direct the conversation that way. But to get really surgical with understanding the difference between guilt and shame, this middle column, I think, is where a lot of you might find some help. A simple distinction is guilt is I made a mistake, shame, I am the mistake. It's when we over-identify with our struggles, but unhelpful guilt is where we don't think we're necessarily a mistake. We've got that, but Lucifer still finds a way to weasel in there and to have us focused on how much we just simply fall short of, of being good enough. Okay. So 
let me kind of shift gears into this next part. Last one, and then we'll, I think we're doing okay as far as time. That talk that was given in 2021 by, by Elder Dunn, it's called 1% Better. I touched on it at the end here because Elder Dunn really, he, with, with maintaining his calling and the anchor of the gospel, he really drew much of what he spoke on from this book called Atomic Habits. And it's talking about the tiny changes and the remarkable results that can come when we focus on just that daily, daily effort on, on little things that matter. Now, just as a, as a couple of points, I don't want to try to unpack the whole book here. As you have questions, we can focus on it further. But what atomic daily discipleship means is we get focused on gain perspective and mindset versus gap. We identify goals that are meaningful, but with a twist. As we daily try to maintain this, this nevertheless perspective, remembering the things that we talked about there. Oh, that's a little out of order here. Let me get these here. I'll just put it all up here. As we strive to stay focused on Christ-assisted gains versus gaps, look at the last bullet. It will help if we remember the difference between goals and systems. We read this recently, my wife and I, and I hope that we can break it down if it's not understood. We don't rise to the levels of our goals. We fall to the level of our daily systems. The beginning of this year, we sat down as a family once again to go through New Year's goals. And that's become a bit of a bittersweet experience for our kids and, and us as parents. Because inevitably, goals from the previous year, we've had some success, but there's also struggles. And at times, based on, I think, some of what we've talked about before, Lucifer attempts to kind of have us focus more on ways in which we fell short. And we, we fall prey to the very things we've talked about, focusing on the gap between where we, where we are, where we wanted to be versus what progress we made. But we started talking about was, what if we didn't get focused on the goal so much as we focused on the progress that we're making and set the goals aside once made, have them, anchor them, but then put 98% of your energy on the daily doing that allows you to to, to achieve the goal. Sometimes we confuse them, sisters. We confuse means with ends. We make the goal itself the focus, and they become frustrated when we add those daily goals to our daily tasks list or our checklists, and then we get busily kind of scurrying about doing, doing, doing all the things that need to be done, and it starts to feel hollow, like the difference between Cheetos and steaks, right? We're having empty calories with all of our productivity. We wind up getting totally overinvested in the thick of thin things. But if we break it down and we attach, and something I didn't include on the slide right here, you'll find in the book, is if we focus less on just productivity or accomplishment of, of, of things for the sake of accomplishment, but really what those things are doing to help us become who we want to be. And we anchor our goal setting and thus our daily doing in the identity that's most important to us as women, as daughters as mothers, as friends, when the goals are anchored thoroughly within the identities that are most important to us, then the things that we wind up doing on the daily have a better shot of being really where we want to be spending our time and our energy. Otherwise, what happens is we can get off in the weeds. Now, look, with kids and blood guts and barbecue sauce and scraped knees and bike wrecks and cars that break down, and there's a hundred other things that go on on any given day that will distract and disrupt our commitment to such thinking and our efforts. But we simply just do the best that we can by way of micro betterments and focusing on the daily doing. 
that help us along bit by bit. We put all of that on the altar of the Lord in humility and earnestness. The atonement of Christ and the love of our heavenly parents will make our offering sufficient, just like the widow's might. I think that's where I want to wrap up today, sisters, is just to offer a testimony that there's a phrase, the devil, the devil's in the details, not nearly as much as the Savior is. The devil wants us to think that he owns that gap and he owns all the minutiae because God and Christ and heavens, they pay attention to much bigger and loftier things. And our Savior is absolutely invested in the trenches of your daily living in the quiet moments of your heartache, as well as your joys, sorrows and sadnesses and successes. He wants it all. And he wants to be acknowledged and be able to be equally yoked with us all in those efforts. And I just want you to know that. And I look forward to discussing all of this with you further in a few minutes and leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, TJ. So great. If you are thinking, I got to go. I could only stay till 10. We just really want to thank you sisters for coming, but we're going to stay about 25 minutes more and have a Q&A with TJ. So if you can stay, we'd love it. We'd also love you to send any questions you have to BJ privately or to everybody so she can see them in the chat. And you're also welcome to just unmute yourself. Is that right, BJ? Am I doing that right? We could totally do that. We kind of flip back and forth a little bit. A little bit. Okay. So anyway, it's just important, but just want to acknowledge again that be watching the chat. Luann is going to be putting in all of the resources that we shared at the beginning in case you weren't here so that you can get those from the chat. You can click on the URLs and open them in your browser or copy and paste them somewhere. And yeah, so we're just so glad that you've been here today. And for our Q&A, we'd love to hear some of your questions or wonderings or how I'm trying to put this all together. And I there's a, maybe a little piece that I didn't quite get or even your takeaways, things that you can relate to or share about. That'd be so great. But I'm just going to be facilitating the Q&A. So you, you've got the whole time. You mentioned something right off the bat, Karen, if I could. For the last 45 minutes, I've just been looking at a screen in a presentation. Like, <laughs> I haven't even seen your faces. Like, knowing that they're there and really missing that just because of how the software worked out. So this is the part that I really look forward to the most. Content's cool, like I said, but it's really about the engagement. So please, please, please don't hesitate with questions, follow up, push back, anything. This is where it really kind of, be, I think, becomes most meaningful. So I look forward to hearing from you. Okay. Yeah. Does anyone have something just right, right now off the top of your head that you're thinking, I got something here? And BJ, do you have anything already in the chat? Because No, I do just have one. And just so everyone knows, TJ said he would share his presentation slides with us. And so we'll be sending those out towards the end of the week. I know that's something that everyone's wondering too. And yeah, I do just have one question that's come in while the rest of you are thinking. And and like Karen said, you can just throw the question in the chat or you can unmute yourself and just put a put a brief question together and that would be great. Or if you're just saying, hey, I, I heard this today. I hadn't thought of it like that before. That helps me. That also helps TJ to kind of to just hear what's resonating. That helps him. So let's see. I just this 
question, and I think this will be a good one, and maybe it's just asking for a little bit more information. So TJ, you talked about the, the gap versus gain. I love that slide where, where we start to the ideal and where we are now, and just those two different places that change it from either from gap or gain. But can you give just an example of what that might look like? What, what might be some things, a situation where that's happening? In, in one way or the other with either our kids or maybe as let me, parents? Let me let me reference actually an experience I have as, as a group facilitator for Sons of Helaman. On any given week, I've got eight to 10 young men. And these young men come into the group and they recognize that for them to graduate the group, they have to go 12 weeks without actually viewing pornography or masturbating. And, they, and there's a few other things that have to do with like a, a personal system of daily goals and behaviors. It's not uncommon for these young men to get really focused on that 12-week goal, right? And, and, and they start to say, okay, look, I'm week one, I'm week two, I'm week three, weeks clean, and then they lose and they have to go back and start over. And what starts to happen is they get so focused at times on that 12-week goal or even six weeks out or five weeks out that the, the calendar and the weeks become the focus. And then if they lose or they have a setback of some kind, they feel like that everything that they were doing and almost their entire sense of self takes a hit and they begin to feel beat up. That's where Lucifer loves to try to weave that shame-based thinking in. You're falling short. You can't tell mom and dad about that loss. You just had a great conversation with your bishop. What are they going to think about you? Like, seriously, you just talked with bishop 24 hours ago and you lost another battle. That's the thinking. Like, I'm not good. I don't know if I can ever overcome this. I don't know if I'll ever make it. I, maybe I'll tell mom and dad in two to three weeks. I just, I, I need to get some time and wins under my belt first. And so it's this desperate energy chasing the ideal and chasing what they're wanting to be that they lose appreciation for and focus on what they are becoming in the moment and, and, and how precious and important those little micro improvements and micro steps are. If I have a young man, I remember one young man told me not long ago, he comes in, and I always ask this question at the beginning of the groups. How are you doing? Points and weeks is what we call it. We keep track of their progress. And one young man will say, well, there's this many points. I'll say, how many wins did you have this week? And he said, he's gone two days in a week without viewing pornography or, or engaging in masturbation when it's been years since he's gone, you know, any day, any day without it. Absolutely essential for a kid on, uh, who's striving to heal and improve. If I was to take it out of that context, because when I'm doing interviews with moms, a lot of time at the beginning of this group, it might sound something like this. My son's been struggling with this for a long time and we have provided him. We've got him involved in group. We actually, I've been studying. I've been praying my heart out. Like I've been doing everything that I know how to do to assist my child. And yet he continues to struggle. That can go one of two ways if it's going to go off the rails. Sometimes it can turn into bitterness and resentment and frustration towards the child. You're just not trying hard enough. You're just, you're not there. You know, I don't even see you putting any effort into it. And so Lucifer entices a focus of both mom and child on the gap that they're experiencing. And they go to war over that where a child starts to feel like you don't care. You don't care about me. You just care about whether or not I'm looking at porn or not, whether I'm like I'm five weeks clean, mom, or something like that. That's one way it can look. Or it can look like, 
what's wrong with me that I actually, where's my faith at fault? Where is it deficient? Where am I not doing good enough as a mother? Because if I was doing a better job as a mom or a father, dads have their own version of this as well, my son would be making more progress. He would be doing better. He would be having more success. If we can just teach this in the right way, if we can just pray the right prayer, if we can just dot, 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 whatever it might be, and we get so focused on that gap between where we want to be and where we are, that we lose sight of sometimes the little moments of healing that are building, that are building and, and gaining ground. So I hope that's helpful. That was so helpful. Thank you. It looks like Charlene has something. All right. Can you hear me okay? So I have two thoughts for you, TJ. So I'll share the first one, if that's okay. So, you know, this is definitely like a mind shift for me to do that 1% gain and to focus on that because I think it's really easy to, to go about your day and to, and to see where you're not making it, where you're, where you're cutting short. And then by the end of the day, you just kind of feel flattened. Mm -hmm. And so how, how can you start to make this shift in your mind and say, yeah, this was a win for me. This, this is awesome. Like I'm, and so I'm building instead of losing. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Can I address that? Is that a question you want me to speak to briefly? Yeah. One of the things, one of the things I have found that I think the sisters do particularly well, brethren struggle with this a lot more because we tend to hold things closer to our chest, but even so for both parties, Anytime there's a move that's made to make a mindset shift, you plug somebody else into that along with you. If we try to just do that alone and we're trying to make that shift and we're, we're say we're say we're doing okay with with identifying the little steps that we can take and yet we're not we're, we're still feeling like oh my gosh, but there's still so much that's not getting done and so forth. Look at it this way. As long as we attempt to do that mindset shift within the our minds only, then we're, we're on, we're giving, we're still, we're still gravitating towards Satan's playground. It's a thought battle and he's attempting to go to, to affect the way that we think and to keep our mindsets rigidly stuck in an old way that if that's all we're doing is just trying to think our way through it, we're at a disadvantage. But the moment you get in touch with like a sister or a mom or a, a member of this group, Hey, I just want to tell you what I did today. Because let me ask you, if you had a sister approach you who was who was raising the same question and she goes through and she says, you know, this week, all I was able to do is dot, dot, dot. And she shared some things with you that were not occurring a week ago. It's clear there's still room to grow. But if she was trying to highlight some of her micro betterments or successes with you, what do you think, out of curiosity, what do you think would likely be your response to her? I would probably totally just rejoice with her. I would be able to like say, yeah, I think that's incredible that you are, that you're doing that. And then that way her and I could, you know, celebrate that together. Right. That's been my experience. My experience is that we are much more quick to to see the, the reasons to celebrate in, in, the, in the progress in the little stuff for others rather than ourselves. And so when we plug someone else in with us and share that opportunity with them, we tag team it. And it really allows a chance for things to be voiced, to be shared in a relationship between, between two people with bodies and dialogue. That takes it immediately out of the realm of, of Satan's upper hand. We're using our bodies. We're using our relationships here on earth 
as a way to, to further our discipleship that's, that's less touchable by the adversary. So that's one idea. Get engaged with an accountability partner or a friend or someone who you can have those honest searching conversations with and where you can celebrate the heck out of those 1% gains. I really like that. Is it okay if I ask you one more quick question? Please. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know what you mean when you say measure backward to move forward. I don't okay. understand that. That's actually a derived from the, the author himself of that book. And what he's saying is that if we measure backwards, so it's really just being go back to where you started and look at how far you've come versus looking ahead to where you want to be and how big of a gap there is to get there. And so if we continue to pay attention to where we began, there's, there's a, I, I, I was thinking about preparing this slide and I didn't, and it just is too bloated and I'm going to try to do the best I can with it. But there's something called the valley of latent potential or disappointment, big words to highlight this concept. When we start an effort to change something and think about it this way, well, I'll give you the, the example that I like. An ice cube, if you pull an ice cube from the refrigerator, okay, an ice cube will start to melt at what, like 32 degrees Fahrenheit or whatever the melting point is, 32 to 33 degrees. So the freezing point is 32. So if you pull that out of a fridge and if you pull the ice cube out of the fridge into a room that's 30 degrees, is it going to melt? No, 19, no, but it's at 32. But you won't, it won't jump from zero to 32 like that. Every degree of warmth, every degree closer to a melting point where there's a change matters. You just don't see it. You don't see a change in the external state of things. It's not until it hits that critical point where all of those previous steps or all of those previous degrees add up to a tipping point when you start to see and notice change more, more significantly. We do, a, I think we do ourselves a lot of disservice when all we're focusing on is the 32 degrees or higher most often. And we fail to really appreciate times where, hey, I went to bed an hour earlier, 10 minutes earlier. I actually had another glass of water today. I was able to, you know, put my phone down literally and look at my 10 year old when she's like telling me a story from school versus checking that email, that text or that social post. And I just did that a little bit better today. And maybe there are times where we still blow it and we struggle, but if we can focus on the times when we get it right, it helps to build the momentum of getting it right. So me measuring backwards, just looking back to where we began and looking for every opportunity for growth and development, however small, towards where we want to be. Does that help, Kay? Thank you, TJ. And I really appreciate the, the little examples because just like one more glass of water, stopping to look in someone's eyes because sometimes we, we know we should be looking at those little success, but we don't have a we don't know what they look like or sound like or anyway. So that's helpful to hear those. Okay. We do have a few more questions that came in the, the chat privately. If we have just maybe seven or eight more minutes with TJ sure. and then we'll, we'll do some wrapping up, but love to love to ask these. Here's the first question. And thank you for the question so far. I have a 17 year old son that struggles with pornography mm -hmm. and just so you know, moms, this is all of us. We're, we're bumping into this. We're, we're getting snagged here. And so this, your, your family's not alone. <laughs> so I have practically everything locked down to avoid slip-ups, but I think maybe this isn't the best thing. He doesn't mm. want to go to therapy because he doesn't have a problem or he doesn't think he has a problem. But if I didn't have it on lockdown, he would, mm. any advice, 
he's one year away from being able to have access to everything. Tricky, tricky spot. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll outsource a little bit to on when they have the monthly generals panels with young men who have graduated this group where they have been working on pornography. So whether you, whether your sons are in the group or not, here's something that you find. And I'll, I'll start off by saying, first of all, I think restricted access can be a band-aid in a way to kind of stem the tide or stop the bleeding, if you will, at first, but it is never the primary or long lasting intervention. Never. Because what it does is it sets a child up that they'll, they'll, they'll establish a degree of success as long as the limits are there. But then when they get to the point when the limits are not there, they're no better prepared for how to be able to navigate that than they were before. You've just limited the access. Now you listen to the generals and the young men themselves say this, and they'll say this. <laughs> I remember Wes and Spenny are the two guys that ran, that have had a lot to say about this. Intuitive as this, this sounds, when it makes sense, begin to open it back up so that they can begin to train and develop their agency for themselves as opposed to, you know, lack of exercise. That means there will be losses. That means there will be struggles. I've seen young men who will spike in their use once they have renewed access. But what it starts to do is it starts to pull it away from a cops and robbers game between parent and child. It's no longer about cat and mouse. And think about how often a, a kid with limited access is putting time and energy into trying to find all of the workarounds and the back doors and things that go into it. And they wind up in some cases putting more energy into that put them all on. If you have limits in place and you feel good about the reasons why you do, it, it's worth conversations over time where this is how it sounds for me. I'll look at young men and say, look, in this group, if you want to lie to me, you're going to be able to do it. If you want to not tell the truth, that's up to you. I don't want our relationship to be based on whether or not I'm policing you regarding integrity or truth. What I hope to be able to get to do is get back to the relationship that we really want to have. And then you develop your own relationship with the truth and you develop your own relationship with your reasons for either viewing pornography or not. And I would love to, to be a support and a resource for you in, in having that conversation and, and, and finding that out for yourself. You start on the path of those conversations and then bit by bit, the restrictions or non-restrictions, it starts to, it starts to find its way a bit more as a young man starts to take more and more ownership, not easy. And, and I don't mean to make assumptions here, but I'm just saying, generally speaking, that general trend has been met with young men who normally didn't see a problem before their conscience starts to get trained regarding their own values, not mom and dad's values. And then they start to have to square with how they're feeling about it for themselves. And he'll have, he'll have some struggles along that path. But going back to what we've talked about the entirety of the day, those little improvements will start to happen and he'll own them. He'll own them for himself. And that's where you start to see some, some real progress being made. Thank you, TJ. And we all know, and I'm sure TJ feels this too, just such a, such a personal thing on how to decide that. But just one clarifying question. Would you give that same advice to a mom of a 12-year-old? Thank you. There, there is age appropriate. So you really, when we talk about training agency for a 12-year-old, I, I think that's a kid who's just still trying to get his feet on the ground with what it means to make value-guided and value-based decision-making. They're still growing into I me. Mean, the current literature talks about how the frontal lobe of kids is not really hitting full maturity until they're about 25 anyway. Right. So with a 12 year old who's just coming out of what we call concrete thinking, they're still highly externally motivated 
the idea of internal motivation and value-guided stuff, that's coming online. Now, some kids are a little further along. You, you got some kids are 18 going on 12 and 12 going on 18, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's going to be highly variable. But yeah, I think it's very age-appropriate. And it's like kind of training wheels as well. You leave the training wheels on the bike until it makes sense to start to take them off. And they have their wrecks and such. But be, be a discerning with those younger kids for sure. And don't be afraid to use limits as well because the age of first exposure is typically 11. And I've had kids coming in the door as young as five or six. 15 years ago, the percentage of incoming freshmen at BYU who had exposure to a regular use of pornography was 87% of young men coming in the door. That was 15, 20 years ago, you guys. So the numbers are just a lot higher now. Oh, really appreciate what that, just those thoughts, TJ. Okay, let's see. Can we try and slip in this last question? Sure. Okay, let's do so. And then just so you know, moms, if you have more questions, we do have a group that meets every Tuesday at 11 o'clock. Just go to motherswhoknow.org, look under the training and support, and you'll see Warrior Mothers Who Know, where we just tackle a lot of these things. Karen leads those discussions and we have a therapist come twice a month. So anyway, we'll put that information in the chat if it's not already there, but just bring those there as well. Okay, here's the question. My son is dealing with pornography as well. My son has struggled for years with the with addiction and is to the point of hopelessness. He mm -hmm. has given up and is now choosing to pursue his addictions without even trying to fight. It's heartbreaking. Do you have any advice on how to encourage him, how to not lose hope? Watching him walk into darkness is almost more than I can handle. What's my next step? He does know that our family loves him. First of all, such an invulnerable question. So thank you for asking. I think one of the hardest moves that a parent can make is to recognize that as kids get older, that, that, that from 12 on, right, they grow into their agency and full ownership of the choices that they make. I might just say this for now, because there's a lot I could say, but in the event of a child making choices that you hope they will, the last thing you want to lose is the relationship you have with your son. You want to maintain a relationship where you can be home base and a safe place for that child to come back to. I've had personal experiences in my own life with loved ones, young men in this group. Here's what I find. There's tremendous, maybe not always in the short term, but going back to that long arc of parenting that I talked about earlier in the presentation, if you have faith in nothing else is that if you maintain a relationship, these kids find their way. And it might look a little different, but they find their way. What do I mean? They find their way into health and function. When it begins to hurt worse not to change than it does to change, that's when you'll see a shift start to happen. And quite often, kids who, what I might say is they seem to go around the dark side of the moon for a while. Sometimes it takes, in, in recovery literature, they talk about hitting rock bottom. A slight variation of that is sometimes it takes a, a, a person being able to live without either the spirit or connection with themselves for a time alongside a parent who, who, who very appropriately continues to be there, like not in the darkness, but like I, I think the, 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 the name of this series is absolutely essential, stay by the tree. But there's ways that we can stay by the tree and walk alongside our kids who are struggling. And what you start to see is they start to come back to, if I can't trust anything else, if I can't trust God, spirit, testimony, I trust mom, 
if, if you guys will give me just a few more minutes, I'll tell you a brief story about a kid who went to a wilderness therapy program down in Arizona. Their model was to hike daily. There was one kid who was not at all happy to be there. They all weren't, but he was particularly frustrated and resentful and bitter. There was a therapist or a, excuse me, a field guide who walked the trail with five or six boys every day. He was a pretty bubbly guy. He tells these boys at the beginning of one day, hey, I got an idea. Let's see what we can learn about trees today. So they take their first break in the Arizona sun right out there in the desert. You guys learn anything about trees? No one says anything. No one says anything. Finally, this kid, his name, not Dane, but we'll call him Dane. Dane pipes up. And he says, hey, trees give you shade, stupid, right, to the staff. Call him a more colorful name than that. But that's what he said. They hike on three or four hours later, five or six hours later, when they get to their afternoon break before they make camp for the night. This guy's like, hey, you guys learned anything about trees so far on the trail? No one says anything. No one says anything. Dane pipes up again and says, hey, trees give you shade, man. Same statement, but different. Didn't think much of it. They finish out and set up camp for the night. Every night they had what they call the talking stick. They passed around the fire that they made. And they all just kind of checked in about how the day went. This trail guide, he's feeling a little bit discouraged about his lack of engagement, or so he thought with these young men. He asks the question, guys, I know it's been a long, hot day. Last time I'll ask the question, anybody learn anything about trees today? And as the stick's going around, one young man says, well, everything that we made to use to make a fire and get light and warmth tonight comes from a tree. So trees give us light and warmth. Oh, okay. And another kid gets the stick. You know, I noticed as we were getting closer to water, the leaves on the trees were more green and full. The further away from water we were, they were smaller and a little bit more yellow. So trees tell us where water is. And, the, and this trail guide's kind of a little bit dumbfounded, right? The stick finally gets to Dane, and Dane's the kid that usually threw it in the fire. <laughs> I mean, he, he just like, he, uh, he wasn't a fan of this whole thing. And he says, he holds the stick, and he's like, well, I learned today that whether you're mad or sad, happy or just, just angry. It doesn't matter how you're feeling. Trees always give you shade. And the guys are like, pause, because he never said anything like this. And he's still holding on to the stick. And they're like, wow, Dane, that's pretty deep, man. <laughs> and they give him a bit of a hard time. And then he kind of shakes it off, but he doesn't pass the stick on. And these big crocodile tears start popping out of his eyes. And he says, you know what? It, it never used to matter whether I came home drunk or smashed sober or halfway put together no matter what my mom always gave me shade and that's when he passed the stick on and and then his work began from there and I don't know much about the story but it was a beginning point for him recognizing the shade that his mom offered and no matter what I think that story has something to do with that question at least I hope it does for you thank you for asking yeah so incredible so good so you know, it's so wonderful, TJ, that what you have done for us today. Thank you so much for helping us to reframe the way we're looking at things, reframe how we're interpreting what's going on here, right? And our role in solidifying that more in ourselves with our, with our own successes and failures and things that we're working on. So that, that that really grounds us in, I can, I have help, you know, I have help, I can reach out for help. Because if you're in a gain perspective, then cr 
Christ is always available to you. But if you're in a gap perspective, it separates us from our, from our willingness or our availability to allow him to come help us. And so I just wanted to testify. And then I'm going to ask you, TJ, to just kind of give a final message of hope. And then we'll turn it over to BJ to tell us what we're going to do to next week or do. Are we doing that today, Beach? Yeah, I have just a little bit of information at the end after we wrap up. All right. So good. But yeah, I just want to thank you for that, for helping us to see that there's eternal truth over every circumstance of our lives. And often we will just look at the truth or the evidence that we can see and rely so much on ourselves instead of our savior and champion in the battles that we face. So thank you so much for that, helping us to see that no matter what's going on, there's always a win in there if we have a gain perspective. Sure. Two very brief thoughts. You've been very gracious with your time today, sisters. I appreciate this opportunity with you. Two things. Number one, you all give shade. There's no doubt in my mind. I, you Going back to what I said before, I don't know you, but I know you. Uh, if you're here today, that's all I need to know. Trust that. If there's ever a time when you doubt what you're offering to your children, doesn't mean you're perfect. But if there's ever time when you doubt what you're trying to do and what the Lord can, can do with your efforts, you just need to know that that's, that's satanic garbage that's trying to interfere and, and destroy the confidence and the presence of a mother in the life of a child or a spouse or in your relationship with yourself. Final quote from President Packer back in 1995. He was actually referencing a, an experience with, I believe it was uh, President Smith at the time. I, th I, I, might, I hope you might find comfort in this. He, he uh, President Smith said at this time, he, was, he said, listen to this. It was, he was it was President McKay who was reading a, a quote from President Smith. So there's like three people involved here. <laughs> Just focus on the quote. Jesus had not finished his work when his body was slain. Neither did he finish it after his resurrection from the dead. Although he had accomplished the purpose for which he then came to earth, he had not fulfilled his work. And when will he? Listen to this, sisters. Not until he has redeemed and saved every son and daughter of our father Adam that have been or ever will be born upon this earth until the end of time, save the sons of perdition. That's his mission. And we will not finish our work until we have saved ourselves and then not until we have saved all of those who are depending on us. So sisters, I just, Matt Townsend said this years ago, and I really believe it's true. You're going home and your kids are going home. And we have such a limited perspective on what eternal progression looks like and how that happens, but have faith in that promise. Because unless you have a son or daughter who's qualified as a son of perdition, there's a lot of reason to hope. Let me continue to work hard. So thank you again for your time, you guys. Thank you so much, TJ. Can you remind us of who that last quote was from? Well, it's found in the talk by Boyd K. Packard in 95 called The Brilliant Morning of Forgiveness. It's a conference address, but I'll send this email to you as well so that you can have, there's that and a few other quotes that you may find, find helpful too. Okay. We love that. That, that puts a little load off, right? <laughs> just to consider that. So thank you. Thank you, TJ. We just appreciate all you've just your experiences and you're willing to just step up and speak up. It's very generous. And we've learned a lot today 
Absolutely appreciate it. Well, before we let you go, everyone, or we're just going to give you a little bit of information that might be might be helpful for you or, or just great things to have in mind. The next Stay by the Tree webinar series will be in August, August 23rd, 30th, and 6th. And and you'll, you can find more information on that at the staybythetree.org. Coming up, it won't be there for a little bit, but just know that, that that's there. And if you came this time, we'll be sending you an email out later so you'll know about it. And then just a reminder about the, the Mom Power training where Karen Broadhead, who helped to facilitate here today and has been the parent support specialist at life-changing services for over a decade and is a life coach has such a love for women has put together this really awesome training with lots just packed with tools and truths. And so you will, you'll love that. It's awesome that it's free and you can get registered at mompowertraining.org and, and just start listening and learning. So, and then last week we had Kim Davis here who, oh, no, actually, was it last week? We had her, but anyway, for this Stay by the Tree series, and I know a lot of you really appreciated her message about connection. So we're having a little bit of an encore during our Warrior Mothers Who Know group next Tuesday. So it's the 21st. So all you have to do is go to motherswhoknow.org and look under that support and training tab and and see Warrior Mothers Who Know. And just, you'll, you can join us next week at 11 o'clock Mountain Time with Kim. She's going to follow up on several questions that we weren't able to have time for her to answer and then just others that come up. So, and then we want you to know that, that Karen wrote this book, Mama Trauma, Now What? And it's finding hope when your child batters pornography or other challenging issues. And we just love to point you to that. There's a free e-copy at the lifechangingservices.org website. And you can also order a paper copy there. And if you'd like to visit with Karen and she has a, a complimentary visit that she does, you can you go to motherswhoknow.org again, but this time look under the visit with Karen tab and you'll find a, a complimentary visit where you can just click into there and, and be able to visit with her. I know sometimes we show up and we just think, I'm not sure where to go or what resources would be helpful or where to move next. You can, that's a great place to just share a little bit about your, your experience and, and get some, some ideas and next steps. And so that's a great thing in, in Karen's book. It, here's one quote from the book that we love. It just says, we know that despite what the world is shouting, we and our children can still stand tall with hope and power and light because we know this, we know who the savior is and we know how to rely on his enabling power. So just, if you have any questions, feel free to just, you can send us an email at mothers who know at lifechangingservices.org or just show up at one of our, our groups or classes that you find there on mothers who know.org. And we can, and we can just answer questions and help you further, but thanks so much again, everyone for, for being here today and, and joining us for this webinar series. And you can watch for it at the, on mothers who know the, our podcast channel, just look for that podcast channel and you'll see it and lots of other really neat podcast, but just honor you, honor you for being here. And, and thank you, Becky, as well, for being here as a, a support. And, and thanks again to TJ. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, PJ. Thanks for your help. Luann behind the scenes. Thank you so much. Appreciate you ladies. Thanks for being here. Ladies love you. We'll see you next, next week in our mom power training.
Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers Who Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.